Welcome everyone to another episode of the podcast. Quick housekeeping for you as per usual. Make sure you rate and review five stars on Apple's podcast app. Follow me on Instagram at Felix.Levine. My YouTube channel, subscribe, Felix Levine. Search it on YouTube. You can subscribe, watch everything in its full video formats as well as smaller clips and highlights. Um, and I love when you guys reach out to me. Tell me what you do like about the episodes, maybe what you don't like. That's also incredibly helpful. Um, guests you want to, to see on the show. Um, so please, please reach out to me, FelixLevineWTG at gmail.com. You can find that on my website, Felix-Levine.com, or just DM me on Instagram. Uh, I usually check those, so please, please do that. Um, it's really awesome to, to hear from you guys. And my guest today, he is a super funny comedian and is also the co-host of Oops! The Podcast with Francis Ellis, another former guest of mine. He has just been recently featured on Pete Davidson's new Netflix special. Please welcome Julio Gallerati. live julio in the studio as you just said yeah baby dude it's good to have you good to be here man good to meet you good to uh good to have you on my show and uh i've been talking a lot of shit to you over the past 24 hours you've been talking a lot of shit um and i'm kind of like dude yeah go good for you bro like bring it like you you know do you do you find it like are you a shit talker do you not really i'm we're talking about tennis by the way (laughs) we're playing tennis after this uh Felix is a tennis player, I found out, and I'm actually curious to see how good you are because, y- you know, I, you didn't tell me much. I know that you, like, played junior tournaments, which is a good sign, but I don't. it's unclear, like, how well you did. I feel like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, could what you're Could be first round defeats yeah. every time. Or you could be really good. So I don't we'll know. See. I guess, I. you know what? I'm not even going to, well, we'll see. Because we'll I think, that, no, from what I can gauge, like, you are definitely very legit, and so that's why I think that's always, like, a fun... Mm-hmm. Um, but, but don't worry, I wouldn't waste your time if I didn't think that I could, I could definitely, uh, hang, but I have full intentions of, um, beating you and, um, and so we're going to, we're going to find out in a few hours. Okay. We, uh, yeah, I'm trying to get back into it. So this will be good either way. I played with Francis for the first time in a while the other day on grass. What surface are we playing on? Uh, whatever I think is available. I think it'll either be hard or clay. Okay, cool. You play on grass? We friends that played on grass. Where? Um, at Westside Tennis Club in Queens, ah. Forest Hills. Have you ever played on grass before? Yes. I mean, uh, I've played once or twice. This was the best grass court that I have ever played on. It was sick. And it's just, is it, it's it's a tough thing to get used to. Kind of. Like, I, I had the, like, I haven't played in a while luck. Ah. What I've always found is that the first time back after a long time, I usually play really well. So, like... I just, I like didn't, I like wasn't missing shots, but like it was just, re- dude, the grass is so nice and I felt good the next day. It was just, it's the way the game was designed to be played. You think so? Like, kinda. I think the game was designed to play on clay. Well, I think that the game was literally made on grass though, originally. Oh, yeah. You're probably right about but, that. But agreed. I, I think clay is a nice, a nice way to play also. Um, all right. So we'll let the, we'll let the masses know what happens. Um, so I told you a few seconds ago, is there a little tidbit, a little something the world doesn't know about you from all of the shit that you guys have talked, Yeah, that you've talked specifically? This is all I could come up with. I've watched the 1996 Yankees-Atlanta Braves World Series video like a hundred times. Why? 
I don't know. As a kid, I really loved it. And I don't even give a shit about baseball anymore. But I that's something that people don't know about me. Not that they care. But what it's like, you didn't think after like 10 times that it was enough? You, you just felt like you had to keep going? Yep. It just was when I, I just liked watching it. There was just parts of it that I liked. Like you watched the whole game? No, it's not the game. It's the World Series commemorative video that they kind of put out. Uh, that kind of recaps the entire playoff run. Interesting. It's the same video on YouTube? It may be on YouTube. So where would you watch it before? Of a, a, a VHS tape. Oh, literally. The 1996 Yankees World Series oh, video, yes. When oh, it was literally released. Literally on VHS. Yes. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And when was the last time you watched it? It's been a while, actually. But the other, occasionally, like, I threw, I, I looked it up the other day just to see if, like, the intro was what I remember it as, and it was, uh, which you'd hope I'd be able to remember it having seen it a hundred times. But, yeah, it's just pretty sick, dude. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to check yeah, that out. Yeah, have to check it out, dude. You have to check it out. So, um, so obviously some, some exciting things recently mm-hmm. um, with uh, the... Your segment on Pete Davidson's uh, what? What's it's Pete Davidson and Friends? Pete Davidson presents Friends. Pete Davidson prevent, presents the best Friends, I believe, is what the title, the final title is. So we had Nico in here a few days ago. Oh yeah, who who I've had on a couple times. I've known for like three or four years now. So how do you know everybody? Like, what is your deal? <laughs> that's yeah, like um, I uh, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. So you just started doing podcast podcasts. So I started. Yeah, I started about two and a half, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Francis spoke very highly of you. That's Before very this even came about, he was like, have you ever done you know, Felix's pod? And I was like, I have not. He's like, he's really good. He does a really good job. He's, well, I, thank you. He um, wouldn't just say that either. Yeah, he's and like I, <laughs> pretty cynical. He can be pretty cynical. <laughs> so <laughs> It's quite, yeah, no, I, I love Francis. I had Francis on twice. Um, and so I started this my freshman year of college. And so then I just graduated. Where did you go to school? I went, my first year I went to UC Santa Barbara. Oh, nice. And then I transferred to Boston University. Oh, I went to Boston University. Wait, really? Yeah. I played on the, on the house team. Oh, you're at, you played at BU? Yeah. Okay, now this is very interesting. Yeah. So wait, so you know everything like BU, this I didn't know. For the most, I mean, assuming that things are relatively the same, I've only been well, back up there a couple of times since. Um, like where'd you live? I lived in Claflin Hall freshman year. Okay. Then I lived in 1019 sophomore year. Oh, you, oh, you're And then an I lived in Babcock Towers. Oh, shit. The apartment building. Ten, all, my, all my athlete friends lived in 1019. Oh, really? That's funny. Because that's, well, it wasn't that as. It was aight. There's that, like, there's. You, you remember Brown Sugar? What is that again? The Thai place, Vietnamese place. Uh, Maybe. Thai. I don't know. Was it at Ryan Com Ave? It was right next to 1019. Oh, I don't remember it. I um, wonder if it was even there. Like, T. Anthony's, I heard, just oh, closed. Yeah. No, no, they're still it's there. still there? Okay, yeah. that's good. T's Pub closed, maybe. Maybe, yeah. I don't know, whatever. So, yeah, I kind of, that was sort of my sphere, that area. Um, and I would do all the, you know, the same fuck shit, yeah. like going out, <laughs> fucking. Dude, you, it's easier to get in, in Boston, it's easier to get into like New York and European style nightclubs than it is to get into bars. Oh, it's impossible to get Like into bars. bars would be like, what's your fucking yeah. star sign? What, yeah. co- what color are your eyes? No, I, <laughs> and then they'll fucking take your ID and like call the school. Oh, no, you. for real. They There's will. such snitches up there, dude. Yeah, My dad will be like, puritanical New England behavior. <laughs> I'm like, that's mad funny. Yeah, like Boston, you'll go to jail for stealing a candy bar, dude. <laughs> no, no, you know, they have no, such like they have nothing better to do up there. There's such di- did you ever go to um Tits? Tits? Is that like Tavern a- in the Square? That's oh, where I don't know. That was not yeah. your time. Is that in Austin? That's in Austin, yeah. I don't know. Uh was it Whitehorse Tavern previously? Maybe. Uh, maybe. Don't know. I don't know. I didn't really start going to those places until I was a senior. Did you uh yeah, cause fucking cause ID thing. Did you uh <laughs> did you enjoy your, your time of view? 
I did, dude. Um, but the tennis is that's consuming. Yeah, it, it is. Um, it was great though. I mean, the only thing that the tennis really took away from was like being able to go on spring break, which I, we did tennis spring breaks, which was which were fun in their own way. You know what I mean? And like, I sort of you know senior year I took it pretty seriously, but like junior year I was a little kind of disenchanted and I was smoking weed and shit. Like I didn't, I didn't like my lifestyle wasn't that affected by the fact that I had tennis practice and matches and shit. You didn't get drug tested. We did. So you could, but it wasn't like all, it didn't always happen. It was like random. Interesting. I don't think I ever, I I don't think I ever actually got drug tested. I could have been fucking shooting roids the whole time, dude. (laughs) No one would have have known. (laughs) Did you, uh, so you didn't have like a crazy, you weren't like a crazy party you're in. No, I was, I mean, I was, I certainly partied, uh, but I was, I was, I would say as far as college is concerned in general, average BU, I would say is not like that crazy to begin with. It's fun. Um, but it was nice, dude. I mean, especially like I'm, I'm from around here originally, but I grew up mostly in like very rural Connecticut. That's what I, yeah, that's what I, um, and so Boston was a nice sort of like warm up for New York in a way. I agree. You know, well, it's also I think it's a beautiful, it's a great place to go to school. I loved it, dude. Yeah, I liked it. Like it was so. a good quality of life. So I look back on some of it now, and just like my journey, I sort of look back at myself during that time, and I'm like, dude, what were you doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like looking at pictures of myself, like trying to be cool and shit. I'm like, dude, you know what I mean? I just like feel self conscious about that. <laughs> when did you? When did you graduate? Uh, 2008. Okay. So and then you ago. moved directly here, uh-huh. and I moved directly to this neighborhood actually. Right. And I lived there for the summer, and then I've like bopped around a bit. Um, and so, now, yeah. So, what school did you graduate from? In com, technically. Oh, so, but you... like, I like a bullshit major. Like, I tried to find a major where I like didn't have to take math or a language. Oh, me neither. Yeah, and <laughs> so like I didn't give a shit about it. But then I I started doing some like IR path stuff without without like the formality of having declaring a minor. Right. Uh, and I really enjoyed that. Um, I I. So my girlfriend makes fun of me because she says I answer the question really oddly when people say, people ask me what my major is and I will just answer by saying I relate more to my minor. I identify more with my minor, <laughs> even though it's not even a minor. <laughs> Wait, so that's so, I, I didn't know that, you, uh, that you're a BU alum. Yeah, do we dude. have some, we have some pretty interesting like BU alum in the kind of, well, there's Alex Cooper. Um, she went to BU? She went to BU. No way. Yeah. Uh, Howard Stern. Um, that I knew. There's some interesting kind of like radio podcast. Jason that, Alexander. Jason Alexander. MLK. Uh, oh really? AOC. I knew, oh, I knew AOC. Um, I think we overlapped a bit, me and AOC. Oh really? Oh yeah, that would probably make sense. I never knew. Her. A friend of mine claims that he hooked up with her. I th- no. I would say fifty fifty. He wishes. I would say fifty fifty. It could be true. Wait, but what was what was like his story? What was his account? We don't have to get into like the specific in, like, details, the... but like they messed around. Like I don't, you know. But he, so he would remember though. Well, it was like a one-time he's the thing one he's who saying? told he's the one who told me i'm i'm still skeptical about it he if he ends up hearing this he's gonna be like bro what the fuck <laughs> but <laughs> but i uh yeah i'm skeptical a little bit about his story so you never remember seeing aoc she was, she was just an average i think she was kid. just you know a studious bu damn, kid damn she's crushing now she's crushing she's crushing <laughs> fuck. It. wait so what did you so what did you expect like did you know comedy that was the route you were 100% going to go to or when you were at no, BU like what no. was what was life hoping to look like after I was playing tennis a lot of the kids on the team's dads were like successful whatever's uh and I was kind of like oh that's sick like maybe I should try to do that or something I don't know um so I was just trying to figure out a way to like get a job where I could make much money hopefully 
Um, so I kind of just, I never did internships and shit during the summer. Like I, I would teach tennis in the summer and try to make some money so I could have stuff, have money when I was at school to do stuff. Um, so I kind of didn't like understand the track and my dad is a professor, but like being a professor doesn't make you understand that still. If that my makes sense. Too. Really? <laughs> yeah. No way. Where at? UMass Boston. No way. Are you from up there? No, I'm from here. Oh, great. but he would commute twice a week to oh, go. Oh, sick. Um, yeah, my dad uh, teaches at Wesleyan. Okay. And so I, I don't know why, but the, yeah, they never were like, all right, if you want to like work in a real career or whatever, you need to like have, be an intern. I'm sure my dad's written a million recommendation letters for people, but maybe I don't know. Maybe just like didn't click in his head, and like it ended up working out. I mean, I've made like lasting connections and friendships and stuff from like my summer jobs are great. I don't regret it. I'm happy with where I'm at, but the sort of career thing, I was like a, a step behind and I kind of got into some sale, kind of like a shitty sales job ultimately, yeah. like a job where you can like do well, but like, yeah, I don't know. Like it's kind of, it's kind of just like a, a chutzpah job. Right. Like you got to be on the phone being willing to like yell at people or like reset their expectations when yeah, you made yeah. a promise, whatever. So I did that for like four or five months, uh, six months. And then I started dicking around doing comedy. Um, and yeah, one day I like signed up for a show for like a bringer show, which is for those of you listening who don't know what that is. It's like a show where you get to perform as long as you bring like a minimum amount of people who pay full price. But you know, whatever. I had people, friends in the city. So I did that once. It like went reasonably well. When you were like 20, 22, 22, 23, 22 still. Yeah. Um, I think. Yeah. And then, uh, I, I, you know, I do, I started doing a show a month then I started doing a couple of shows a week and then. Ended up leaving the job and trying to enable myself to continue doing comedy. And I started like doing some acting stuff again. Uh, I had kind of done it a little bit as a kid right, locally. Um, and yeah, dude. And then just kind of started trying to make it happen slowly but surely. Did you, uh, did you kind of fall in love with it the first time you did it? Yeah, I guess. Like, I don't know. I don't have that, like, kind of a romantic relationship with stand-up the way that some comics do. Yeah. Like, if I'm not on stage for, like, dude, <laughs> like, you pay me enough, I'll never get on that fucking stage again, dude. I don't give a shit. I'm serious. Like, I do like, I love doing it, and it's fun, and I'm sure that if that were to happen, yeah. I would miss it, and I want to come back to it, you know? Um, but it's not, it's nice because of the way you can do it. The way the hustle works is is nice because you can do it every day in theory mm -hmm. you know what i mean whereas you know if you're an actor or some shit like you're sort of waiting for people to give you opportunities and granted you could be in class and this and that but like you're further away from the real thing and you kind of don't have as much control over it uh whereas stand-up you can do it every day so that's nice so it's easy to kind of make progress right away because you're just hitting all these benchmarks. You you work at a new stage, you meet mm -hmm. new people, you put on somebody's show. Like it's easy to make steady progress for the first couple of years and then and then it can I, I find that like the th years three to five or six to be the hardest the Why? hardest years. because uh, it becomes harder and harder to kind of make progress at that point. Mm -hmm. You've kind of like done the easy progress and now it's like, how do I get to that next level? Like, how do I get credits? How do I get booked? It's easy to kind of get a little cynical. It's easy to get a little inside baseball-y too, mm -hmm. where like you care too much about what like comics think and you forget that you're also performing for normal people. Right. 
So suddenly you start doing like, and this, I, I've noticed people do this. I probably was doing it too, but like your material, it just becomes like gratuitously dark for no reason. You're like, and then I hanged myself like, haha. Oh no, I didn't actually. Oh, you guys didn't like that one. <laughs> yeah. What's wrong? Or like, oh dude. Oh, you guys, are you guys a couple? Yeah. Oh no, she's my mom. Oh, are you banging yeah, your mom, yeah. dude? Everybody gets on. Yeah, oh, yeah. come on. It's a joke guys. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you know you're what saying. Mean? I don't know. So it's easy to kind of. <laughs> get caught up in the bu- in the comedy bubble and it you kind of see people get depressed and shit it's like an interesting like i've had a bunch of comedians on and like you guys are like a i always say it i always think it you guys are just you guys are like a strange bunch of people or we can yeah it's an eclectic group but it's like it, they're very uh it takes a certain kind of uh like oomph to to be a comic yeah it's certainly helpful it's it's a weird habit it's a weird, but like you guys have to have like, it's like a strange mentality, you know? Like I don't see, I don't see you guys as like average people or normal people. Mm-hmm. You got to be a little That's crazy. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. Or stubborn or something. There's some. Are you th- stubborn? Maybe. I don't know. Like. What's your girlfriend think? Uh, she'd probably think I am sometimes, but not in other ways. Okay. You know what I mean? I, I can be pretty reasonable too, you know? I'm a chill guy. <laughs> I'm, a, dude, I'm, a, you know? I'm a chill guy, dude. You're a bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a chill guy. Um, But no, I mean, I don't know what it is. I mean, I always felt like I was good at performing mm-hmm. in general. Uh, and, you know, they kind of beat it into your head when you're a kid. You know, I was all, oh, you're, you know, you're funny. You're like in like high school drama class, I was like good at the improv exercise, but you know, big fish in a small pond kind of thing. It's almost like, you know, the hottest guy in his high school moves to LA and then all of a sudden he's just like, it's fucking dime a dozen. You know what I mean? Uh, so I always kind of was like, all right, like maybe, you know, but then when you actually do it, it's, it's much, uh, it's much harder obviously. And there's a bunch of talented people and a bunch of things. So, you know, it can be hard. It can be a little disheartening, but yeah, there's something that keeps you going, I guess. Um, and you know but i i kind of have a nice i think i have a pretty nice approach like as far as being realistic and and doing things to try to to try to give yourself a chance at longevity you know and and to be able to earn and to like live a real life while doing this and like not living in squalor and poverty you know what i mean which a lot of people tolerate um and i certainly have had my moments too um but yeah man it's just it's a pretty wild ride and did you ever think about, like, were there ever moments where you're like, fuck this, I never want to, I'm done? Maybe. I'm not really like, fuck it, I'm done. But, like, there were moments where I was like, okay, dude, we got to be a little more realistic here. Like, I'm sick of doing these, like, non-comedy world jobs. Like, shitty, like, temp work or teaching tennis. I'm sick of this shit. I'm all, I want, I, I'm going to maybe try to get, like, start working in production or something. Right. There have been moments where I, like, made a LinkedIn and was like, maybe, you know what I mean? And like every time I went to do that, like usually something would come up that would distract me and like bring me closer to the original plan. Um, yeah, dude. And I, the turning point for me where like I sort of didn't, I kind of stopped having to do other shit. Uh, I, I mean, I decided, I think, I think it was maybe in 2017 that I was not going to do anything else besides comedy stuff, no matter what. Right. Um, and so I started whatever, and then I got a couple lucky breaks and that kind of kept me going. And then, you know, now I feel like I'm in a place where hopefully I can continue ripping for a bit, you know, what was, what was that shift that you were like, I want to kind of like take the leap, you know what I mean? And things will fall into place mentality. Um, and I had been doing, you know, for, for years, 
sort of some commercials and kind of got a little unlucky. A couple of them, like I either got cut out or, um, or they like scrapped the whole ad. So like you'd still make money, but like it would not as much as if it were to have run, you know? And then I had done some acting gigs and and featured on some shows, but it just wasn't like building, you know, I do one-off stuff and I was unable to kind of capitalize on any momentum. Mm. Did some reorgs with the team. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like had managers that I kind of stopped working with or agents and blah, blah, blah. And then kind of like, you know, as time goes on, became interested in different things and it's all kind of a part of the process, I guess, dude. I don't know. How do you feel like you like currently take yourself and your brand to the next level moving forward? I don't know. It's a good question. Uh, you know, try to keep getting more eyeballs on my stuff. Um, kind of keep executing the the plan, which is sort of like building out the long-term projects doing the stuff you can do on a day-to-day basis and like putting yourself in a position to succeed uh, via kind of like whatever connections you have also or that you've relationships you've made over the years. Uh, And, you know, keep doing that. Hope to stay busy. And if I find myself not busy, figure out how to get busy again, you know? Have you noticed in, well, so what, the the special was out like a week ago or something? It came out Monday. Oh, really? Um, how yeah, this past Monday it's been like if people people have obviously been interacting with um, your segment and I'm sure yeah. you've probably had more eyeballs. Um, yeah, it's been a good. Yeah, it's been good, dude. Um, I wouldn't say it's like any exceptional pop. Right. Per, like it's definitely not just like this has been by far the most noticeable. You know, what I mean, but it, it is a certain type of legitimizing attention that is a nice thing that I I haven't maybe had in a while or at all um, to kind of be in the mix on something like that. You know, I think it's pretty obvious, at least to me, that if sort of Netflix had been allowed to curate that lineup, I I maybe wouldn't have gotten in, gotten to be in it. You know what I mean? Just because as far as the, I don't know that I necessarily fit the mold these days of like what developing talent looks like for a, uh, in a variety of factors but yeah it was like a, a true like pete's boys thing which is why he i mean he's the man when it comes to that kind of shit right. always sticking his neck out for the boys um and yeah dude so it's been good and it's been like it's been a slow burn too because like as people start to watch it and just you know right. people random people in your life noticing and thinking it's cool and i try to take a step back and appreciate that it is pretty sick and yeah i mean when i was Netflix, starting it's... if i had known i would kind of have a set on the premiere comedy thing at the time i mean netflix really wasn't even doing comedy like this at the time yeah. it was like i don't even know if they were really a big streaming thing yet when i started in 2008 2008 uh, probably yeah, just starting when they saw the fucking dvds no? yeah yeah they're the still the primary thing um i don't even know but yeah dude it's been sick uh i hope to and, and it's definitely been helping already with opportunity stuff stuff within the business mm. um obviously the visibility legit just very legitimizing right. which is nice yeah, too of course so yeah it's it's a nice thing to sort of balance out the kind of D- diy approach of like podcasting and making content um it's nice to get the nod from the big dogs too you know well how did so how did that come about like did you you were friends with pete previously and he was like i have this idea like how the, how the whole yeah dude we're just all all old pals uh Pretty much everybody in that special, I'm trying to think, yeah, like we've all pretty much known each other for a decade or longer. Um, and Pete, uh, 
Yeah, so I, I met Pete probably in what, 2010, 2009 or something. We were doing prom shows together, like late, late night uh, performing for like kids whose parents don't want them to get in trouble after the prom. So they like right. bus them to these comedy shows wait, at like 2 a.m. Yeah. That's a thing? Yes. I don't know if it's, they're still doing it. They must still do it. Wait, so these so these parents like, we got to make sure they don't get in trouble. We got to send them to these comics? That is my assumption. But yeah. Where like, was this, these? Uh, they were at like different comedy clubs um, and throughout the city. So a bunch of different places do that. So how many kids are coming? Sometimes sold out, you know what I mean? It'll be like 100 kids. Damn. Oh, like a bunch of... High school kids, 17, 18 years old, whatever. So there's no alcohol. 16, yeah. They're not supposed to have it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. But we you know, we do these shows for free for stage time, like late at night, whatever. Um, so I, I kind of initially had met him there. And then we sort of like weren't tight, tight over through, through that period. And then we kind of like became tight over the past three or four years, I would say. Five years. Um, and yeah, dude, I don't know. So then from there, like at, in 2019, at some point he called me and he's like, dude, Hey, like got a special, got you in on a special. And I was like, what? Sick. Uh, all right, sick. Like whatever. So we had planned to do it. It got canceled because of COVID. Then it was like permanently canceled. And we were like, ah, oh, fuck, that would have been sick. And then kind of came back from the dead and they, it happened and. You know, it had been such a long road to getting there that we were all kind of like, well, hopefully this actually happens type of thing. You know, any any fun stories from when you guys were taping or from their time in L.A.? Um, yeah, dude. Um, you know, it was just like stressful because, you know, we did, we were trying not to get covid because, oh, yeah. you know, if you did, and unfortunately, one of the people who was supposed to film oh, got fuck. covid and wasn't able to do it the day of like we arrived you imagine? Yeah, I'd be so Years pissed. in the making, arrive to the venue, and they're like, oh, sorry, you failed your test, you can't do it. Like, it, it bummed everybody out. We're like, this is so fucked up, this sucks for him. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, we're out there for the festival, cool, cool. Um, and then, yeah, dude, I don't know, it was like pretty much business as usual. Like, got in there, we're hanging out all day, shot the shows, it's great to get it in the can, and then was just kind of like crossing my fingers that it came out good, you know? I thought, so when I saw it, I was like, because I had seen, obviously, I'd known you from, um, Francis would talk about you all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and I think I'd seen some clips and, and so, and so I was kind of excited to see, because I think I really like, I'm not going to spoil for people who haven't watched it yet, but like, I think that whoever produced the thing, I think did a really good job of having like the right kind of moments for each different comedian and their mm -hmm. and their sets um and i think it's like you know anywhere from like three to five minutes per comedian is kind of what it seems like to it's me more than that but it's, yeah but is, is it more yeah it's, it's i would say it's like between six and nine okay minutes. cool but it's good because it doesn't feel long you know what i mean it feels like it's short but like yeah, it's like yeah. compact and like really good everybody that that i've spoken to about it have been pretty happy with the way that it came out and i am too i think it looks great um it was sort of like an experimental format having like the showcase live show right. format kind of thing uh, but it was great, dude, and I think it really, and a couple of the reviews said this too, but it, it sort of really shines through that, like, these people all actually know each other. Yeah. As opposed to being some kind of, like, curated showcase. Right. Um, which is nice. So, yeah, it was pretty Well, it's cool. also cool, like, you know, a bunch of New York City-based comics in L.A. Um, with Pete Davidson, who's become, you know, big, big name. Deal, yeah. Um, and and I, well, I just thought your set was, your set was, like, very, it was, like, perfectly like it was like there's like the new, the hint of new york in it mm -hmm. of like you just like your new york personality mm -hmm. um but also just like i think like really well just very funny but also just like very kind of clever and well crafted Thank you. um so and i thought it like showcased 
I thought, I mean, honestly, all of you guys, I thought, you know, I, I was laughing the whole time. Thanks, um, and it was a cool, it was a cool, it was just like a nice, it's, it's short. It's like, I think it's like 58 minutes, like the yeah. whole thing through. Um, so, so I was like, so I had a friend, so I'm like, yo, like, can I, I cause I knew, I knew you, you guys obviously knew each other yeah. <laughs> very well. Um, so, so I'm happy that we, we yeah, set dude, it all up. Totally. I, it's super dope. And, and so, so how long have you known Francis? Um, since I think two, 2000, well, I think I met him for the first time in maybe 2018 or 2019. I forget exactly. Um, 2019, yeah, so maybe 20, the beginning of 2019 or something. And then, uh, yeah, we met and then all the, his barstool stuff ended up happening <laughs> and we had been bumping into each other a lot leading up to that. And which is, you know, back to what I was saying before about like the approach to comedy, like being present is important mm -hmm. because, you know, if I hadn't been around, I would not have bumped into Francis right. a bunch and we would not have ended up doing the pod together. You know what I mean? It's like very, there's a lot of value to pr a presence, a physical how, presence in comedy. How did that, so how did that kind of uh, relationship and, you know. So he had, form? so he had, we were hanging out at the stand one night. He had kind of told me he was start thinking about doing a podcast. I actually didn't even know about, I didn't know much about him. I didn't know about that he was this Barstool guy. I knew he, he had like a big cancel on Barstool. I didn't know about the canceling thing. <laughs> I didn't really know about any of it. And he hit me up. He called me and he was like, dude, I have a crazy idea. He's like, I think that we would do a pod well together. Um, what do you think? Should we give it a shot and then see if we thought it went well? And I was like, okay. So we did and we agreed to start cracking. And we sort of like, right from the get like went and got all the gear we got a guy to do all our, of our production stuff and he's still with us chris um and we built out the team a bit more even since then and it's been great dude it's been a really nice thing and how do you guys come up do you guys like write any material before or plan any of the episodes out or so not really we we uh kind of just write down whatever stuff we want to share with each other okay. and we kind of don't tell each other what that's going to be. Okay. And then we kind of just roll with it. So, you know, we have the stuff that we're intending to talk about and then the conversation might go wherever, but then when we need more things, cause I mean, we do a lot of episodes, so it definitely helps to like come locked and loaded with some stuff you want to talk about. Um, yeah, dude. And it's become kind of a well-oiled machine. How do you, in your, in like in retrospect, how do you feel like, um, you know, what would you have done differently in, in, in those kind of growth moments of starting the podcast, if anything? No, I don't think anything. Really? Yeah. I mean, I can't, yeah. Like, like the approach has kind of panned out well and it's aged well. And, uh, I'm pretty happy with the way we approached it. Why do you, and so why do you think like specifically your show has kind of been able to cultivate? Cause I, I remember talking to friends about this, like you guys have a seeming like very like kind of loyal fan base and, mm. and you guys did a, a few live shows i believe we have, which yeah. um francis had told me about uh that went really well like i think that's what i was kind of like really impressed and uh like admired from both you and and francis is uh it's just the way that you guys are able to kind of cultivate this um consistent mm. listenership and people yeah. that actually like that's like nice, i think yeah. like you guys as people yeah no that's great and we i think that part of it is that a lot of those people i think we too like as people um and we try to be hands-on and engaging and talk to people and um you know it's a nice it's just like a good community 
and I hope that they continue to be interested and invested. You know what I mean? We, they're pretty dependable and there's people who, you know, I've been talking back and forth with now for years who listen to the pod. And so it's a nice thing. You know, those are like your ride or die people. And they're, when you're on the road, they come buy tickets. Like it's a really nice supplement for a comedian to have like a podcast that does reasonably well. Do you, yeah, that's, that's the other thing too, is like, it's a, it's such a crowded space these days. Like, how do you kind of gauge where you can kind of pick and like why, why someone will listen, spend their hour listening to you guys as opposed to someone else? Totally. So, you know, I kind of never even had thought to start one because I was like, oh, this is like already played out, which was just not, that just blatantly was not true and is not true still. Um, I think we were lucky that we kind of had the built-in Francis fan base to start. So we started getting a bunch of downloads. And then that number sort of steadily started to decline. Um, And then once we got to wherever the bottom of that was, which was always still pretty solid, we kind of started building our own audience. So Mm. like weeding out the people who maybe weren't a fit for what we were doing. Um, we've gotten help from a couple other people who have big, like the girls got to eat girls were really helpful mm-hmm. to us. Um, and I think we've gotten and retained a lot of fans from them. Uh, and then, yeah, dude, just like taking what we had to, to begin with and like building from there made it easy. When people honestly. like, I'm sure you've been asked the question, like, you know, best piece of advice for starting a podcast or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like people always ask me like, Oh, what do you think I should do this? Then the other thing I've never, I really don't even know what to, sometimes don't know what to answer. I'm yeah. kind of curious what you, uh, what you answer to that or start it with a guy who has a lot of followers. <laughs> That's the best way. <laughs> um, beyond that, um, as far as, um, you know, things that can help you succeed. I mean, you have to be consistent. You can't really like, I'll notice like people take hiatuses or take breaks and like I, I find it must be difficult to build a podcast if you're doing that. I'm sure it can be done, but you got to be consistent um, and, you know, just trying to improve, trying to be, you know, be be consistent and solid, bring energy to it. Don't don't phone it in. Don't like get too comfortable and just like keep trying to make good shit. I feel like also like. I think I feel like every comedian has some kind of. What's well, an interesting? They should, bro. Like, if they don't, they should. Why do you think that? It's just such a like. There's the potential to just like monetize yourself in a way that's like not super demanding. You right. know, it's like yeah. you got to be consistent, but it's not like you have to do it every single day. You know, um, and you can make like a steady. You can make a steady life for yourself just from a podcast, right. which is I think what every or me at least as a comedian, is something I always dreamed of. Like, how do I get to a place where I'm not, like, constantly worrying about my next gig or, like, where I'm going to get money or or trying to manifest opportunities that don't yet exist right. for my own, for the purpose of my own survival? Yeah. Not having to think about that every second is yeah. really fucking nice. Do you ever, you know, because you guys do so much, you know, so many episodes and, and are pretty unfiltered, do you ever fear about, you know, saying things that are crossing any lines? Sometimes, but uh, we're pretty good about censoring in the moment if we think we say something that's like wrong or doesn't represent us well or the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Mm. But like, you know, you don't want to not be controversial because then it can potentially be boring. I don't think we are controversial and I I don't, I think me personally, I'm probably less controversial than Francis, but neither, neither of us are particularly controversial. You don't have any, you got any burning controversial opinions these days? I don't know, dude. Like, we don't really do that. We don't talk a ton about politics. We don't 
and I, of course I have like opinions and I share them. Like that's part of what comedy is, you know, but a lot of it is just kind of like a combination of talking about things that happen to us, social situations, how to handle them, etiquette, kind of like this, that kind of stuff more so than like abortion rights and, <laughs> yeah. you know, or even just like talking about people who did controversial shit. It's just like not what we do as much. Any, but no, so no. We were shit. We like we were shitting on Jordan Peterson the other day. Like that's like the extent. Wait, wait of, so what's the take on? I didn't hear this. What's the take on Jordan Peterson? I, I just like I'm kind of curious what you think. Francis had gone to his live event and was kind of like I just had no idea what the fuck the guy was talking about. Um, essentially, and like I didn't really know much about him at the time. I remembered him being kind of controversial, but then I, but I was open minded. I'm like, all right, whatever. Like people seem to really like this guy. For he seems to like give men hope in this like weird. Potentially <laughs> toxic way, but I, unclear. Does, so didn't really know. And then I saw the thing about him calling like the plus size model ugly. Oh yes, which was like he's like this is just like a construct. Whatever the fuck he was saying, like trying to act like the media is trying to make us find this attractive. Like whether or not that's true, like it's like dude, don't be a dick. Yeah. And also that girl was hot. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're you know what I mean. Yeah. And and you could say the same thing about any era. Like the what he is perceiving to be attractive maybe is is a construct as well you think know he's I mean? doing it do you think he actually believes it do you think he's doing it just for because it's like a he's like a he can say these things in a smart way that'll get like attention he seems like a like a malignant narcissist to me yeah you know like he does seem that way and i think that he probably likes the controversy i don't fucking know i don't i don't know what his deal is and you know if people find him to be helpful or whatever like good great but like to me he just seems like a dick <laughs> what about any hot takes on the amber heard johnny depp trial no, Did I didn't watch it all. Not really. I wasn't really following. I, I'm starting to gather from with from my kind of like not really knowing what's going on that maybe they're both kind of shitty. <laughs> they're both. So I so I was talking to Nico about this. Like I have, he was kind of he was just he had a very strong take that like anybody who watches this is just like a moron to begin with. And I felt I took it very personally because I honestly watched a lot of it. <laughs> I thought it was awesome. I mean, dude, it was like it was like it was better than like any Netflix show that's on that's out right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to catch like if the clips ever, that I've been seeing I have mean, been like amazing. Yeah, I mean, they're unbelievable. Yeah, it's good I mean, you have like Depp, who's like his best acting job of all time, and, and he's her. sort of like Jedi mind tricking the entire oh courtroom. Oh my god! Like, and he's just talking super charming slowly. As fuck. Oh, he's charming. <laughs> all the women, that, all his, all his lawyers and his psychologist, psych, psychiatrist, whatever, hot as fuck. Yeah, like. He's just and he's like just cracking jokes and the whole the whole room loves him and like he was really able to flip the public opinion on the thing which was a defamation trial too right yeah so like you know no but like a, a motive or or whatever objective achieved so do you think he actually hit her like from what you the small things uh, probably oh you think maybe I, I don't really know I don't mm. know that I know that there was a lot of like crazy stories told back and forth by both of them. And true or not, it's just like, all right, guys, this is not good for either of you. you <laughs> this is a toxic relationship. I don't know. I, I, I don't know enough to, like, be team either one. Yeah. No, I think the weird part is, like, if you're, like, super team. Like, like obviously, I leaned in after I watched it. I was like, okay, I kind of more believed up. Mm -hmm. But, like, you got to be a little strange to, like, be like, oh, my God, like, I love, like, you know, like, team anybody. You're right. I don't right, know. Right, Yeah, I'm not super invested in either of their lives. But, uh it did seem from afar as if he was able to kind of change the the trajectory of the story. You have any favorite public trials like that? I guess like the OJ one was the obvious and easy answer. Yeah, but there's some other good ones in between. I'm trying to think. 
What was the Ted Bundy stuff was pretty oh. entertaining. <laughs> you ever get into it? When he repped himself. <laughs> yeah, the pro guy. se, as I learned the term is. That was pretty wild. Watching him like just be, yeah, he was basically being like Jim Carrey and liar liar. Like it looked like a movie. Like him yeah. being now, he was out of control. Out of control, that guy. You watched the, the Netflix on him? Uh, what was it? Who was who played Zach him? Efron thing? No, dude, I gotta be honest. I I when there's like a comp- comprehensive documentary with like tons of footage and like everything you need to tell the real story, I don't need to watch Zach Efron pretend to be him when I can watch him. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's interesting. And I never watched the OJ show on true or on uh, FX because of that. It's too fucking long. But everybody's saying you have to watch it. So like I don't I, I'm sure it's amazing, but like the whatever eight part OJ documentary is like the greatest documentary of all time, potentially. Have you seen these videos of OJ now? He's he's off the rails. Seen, I've seen him like with all, all these like young like young girls and like guys golfing. He's making like jokes about like he's just he's he's crazy. He's fine with like the the like I killed my wife jokes. Yeah, yeah. He, thinks, he like leans into it. It's weird. You ever see Sasha Baron Cohen with him? Yes. Doing that thing. Yes, that was crazy. Where like honestly he admitted to it right in there. So bro, he's so charming. People have to that watch guy's this video. so charming. Sasha Baron Cohen? No. Oh, OJ? OJ. Yeah, I know. You know what I mean? Like, he'll be there and you just sort of like, this is the most likable guy on earth. Obviously, he's done enough at this point that he's no longer that case. But like, take all that apart. You're talking directly to him and you're like, oh, like, this guy's great. You think women are like, do you think he like, they're like scared when they're with him now? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. It's a good question. Um, but yeah, what a bizarre story that's still unfolding. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, apparently, Amber Heard spoke yesterday for the first time for an hour. I kind of want to. I kind of for an hour. And she said she still has love for Johnny. I'm sure that's probably something that she was advised to say. Oh, you think so? It feels like a pre kind of thing to do. Did you ever contemplate a, a a career in law? I feel like just talking to you, I feel like you'd be a, a good lawyer. I don't know, dude. I I like space out. During like something that's a really intricate detail oriented process, like sometimes I'll just like space out and miss something very crucial. So I don't know that I'd be good at it. But I, I, do know, I feel like it. you have like a like a structured, like an intent, like you think about things intentionally. It's kind of what I've been able to gauge. Maybe that could be true. Um, I ju- I still don't think that I would be do a good job as a lawyer personally. But I I, I hear what you're saying, <laughs> and that's very nice. Of you. In 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 a in an alter in an alter world where comedy. And sales say we're not on the table. Like when you were younger, what did you expect? Would you? Dude, I didn't even think about it. I had no idea. Like I didn't have a realistic perspective about what the reality of doing certain things meant. So I had no idea. I had no idea. And then when people would ask me, I would, which this is a coincidence, but I would just say maybe I'll go to law school and may and like not be a lawyer. It's like, dude, where are you fucking Ted Kennedy or something? Like you're just gonna go to law school and not be a lawyer? Like. Well, like well, yeah. who's paying for that dude you know what i mean like it just made no sense so i actually had no idea what i was gonna do um and then this guy in my tennis team was like dude yeah like this job uh these people are like 25 26 making a bunch of money like if you want to tr- give it a shot i was like okay sick whatever i'll try that i don't know i don't know to, to answer the question i don't know what else i would do i'm sure that there are things out there that would be great were you a funny kid growing up like yeah class yeah. clown Kinda. Not like the last club, but I was funny. I was a funny kid, for sure. So you grew so I'm I'm confused. You grew up you spent time between New York and Connecticut no, different I times? I grew up in Connecticut. You grew up in Connecticut. I was here when I was like very, very little and then we like moved to Connecticut. Where in Connecticut? Um the town that I grew up in is called Higginum, 
which is sort of in the greater Hartford area, kind of sort of between Hartford and New Haven near Middletown. Okay. Um, probably two hours and thirty to drive from here. So that's why your dad. So that's what your dad worked at Wesleyan. It was yeah, easier for it was it was close by. Yeah, we just moved near the school. Um, it's pretty much the only job he's really ever had, like career wise. Um, working at Wesleyan, he's been there since forever. Um, and yeah, dude, it's pretty chill high school, like pretty normal high school experience, I think. And now we're just going to take a quick break to talk to you about my longtime sponsor in U.S. Wellness Meats. At uswellnessmeats.com, you can choose from over 350 foods raised the way nature intended. That includes 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, lamb, bison, elk, and dairy. They also have pasture-raised heritage pork, wild-caught seafood, and pasture-raised poultry. These are some of the host of foods that you can find at uswellnessmeats.com where the owners are the actual farmers themselves and now they've introduced a subscription food delivery service and curated sample farm bundles. Choose the bundle of food you want to receive every month and they'll deliver it right to your door automatically. It's never been easier to serve your family real, honest-to-goodness food without the junk. U.S. Wellness Meats is the choice of championship sports teams, professional athletes, chefs, world-class trainers, and families just like yours all over America. Use promo code PODCAST, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, to save 15% off of every order at uswellnessmeats.com. Now let's get back into it. And you played and you play tennis all the time. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I was playing juniors and I was on the tennis team in high school. The the like public like the bar is lower for like public high school tennis. Yeah, but I mean, I was like, I excelled and I was like, you know, first team this and that, all those things. Did you ever notice how like strange tennis kids are? Uh, I noticed this like, in what way? I don't know. I would always find like whenever I would be at tennis practice. So I played at McEnroe's Academy growing up. At Randall's Island. At Randall's Island. And so I just noticed like I think it has to do with the fact that like since you're alone on the court 99% of the time unless you're Mm -hmm. playing dubs. Like a lot of these kids like social like their social skills felt like they were like a little bit lesser. Oh, I could see it. You ever notice that? I could see it. Maybe. Like a little bit stunted. Stunted is like a nice way of saying you know, it. It's because it's a pretty time intensive sport. It requires sort of a lot of making sure you don't develop bad habits with your technique and being in shape and playing and then playing matches. And it can definitely take you out of the regular rhythm of being social. Right. I would argue that and doing any task at an extremely high level at that age does the same thing, whether you're good at playing the cello or you're playing AAU basketball. Like, right. you know, um, but yeah, maybe, te- maybe in tennis it's more noticeable. I just also felt like they, I also had this very random theory. So I, I did like it. <laughs> so I would like, I don't know, I'd kind of like clown with some of the kids that I would play with just like, you know, when you're sitting on the side waiting. Um, and they, since a lot of them are like super rich, obviously, um, they had, I think they were like, they were like they would specifically frown upon i think one day i said in front of four kids um i'm really craving like rice and beans and chicken and three of the kids looked at me and said ew you eat beans like borderline at the same time and i was like what's wrong with beans and they're like it's canned mm. and so there's like there's this like and so i always remember this and i was like about 14 or 15 and i was just like th- this mentality of like i think they equated canned to being poor mm-hmm. and so i think like that always that always stuck with me. I don't know if you ever had experiences where like I mean obviously a lot of tennis kids are rich and more spoiled. Um, but like where, you know, it's just like 
that kind of mentality of like frowning on the mm, lesser. Interesting. Uh, I don't know, dude. I like I that that definitely wasn't my experience. Um, and to your point, like to to your point, there are definitely a lot of like privileged people in the tennis world, just because unless you have some kind of like relative or somebody who really cares about your development, like it requires so a lot of time. It can be expensive. Yeah. My dad played. So he taught me. Okay. Um, but I mean, you know, there's, it, it's, it can be a little bit of a mixed bag and I would say more than looking down on people, people with less, it was more of like just not knowing what that's like. Yeah. Because especially in the city, you know, these kids who are playing at Randall's Island, they go to Dalton. They the fucking worst. they have drivers waiting for them. They go to they go to camp, fancy camp, and they go to boarding school. So they're a little bit uh their reality is a little bit out of touch. Like they don't know. And it's also funny too, a lot of those kids they like live the like sickest version of life as high school kids. Yeah. Because then you're an adult and you're actually trying to like do stuff with your life and shit. Like you've already it's almost you're, you've done yourself a disservice because you've lived this like life of like a super successful city oh, yeah. person, and now you have to like try to work and like be a person. In most cases, I know that some of those kids don't ever end up doing anything um, except just like spending money and chilling. Did Did you? I'm curious. Like when you had when you when you got out of school, did you have any like existential life crises on, um, you know what? Because you never like you don't strike me as like as like what we're talking about as one of those spoiled kids that no definitely you know definitely um not. um like, life well like a crisis is like what am i gonna do I as in crisis? yeah just like i think like just figuring it out because i you know in a lot of ways we have similar paths with bu and mm -hmm. some of of that so it's yeah. just like i think i'm at that kind of crossroad of where you know, how old are you 22 oh shit i didn't realize you were that young so yeah i would say my some of the most difficult years for me were probably 22 to 26 27 where you know, I all of a sudden, you know, the girls who were the peer were with my peers are now like now they're like everybody's fair game. It went from like <laughs> senior to freshman of college being the only people they know. And now you're 23 year old hot ass chick. And like there's 50 year old guys trying to pick trying to like hook up with you and like succeeding. You know, what I mean, it's yeah. like it's New York City, like. It's like Peter Pan syndrome. Like guys are like yeah. very youthful here or whatever. So that was part of it. And granted, I still like had fun and did fun stuff, but like always kind of feeling like, oh, I don't have enough money to like do shit. Like that's, that's kind of a bummer, like that kind of thing. And then also when you turn like 25, I started to just kind of notice, oh, like I'm just like treated as a man now. Whereas when you're like 22, you're kind of still a kid, kind of, yeah. you kind of get away with shit. But then like you're 25, like I really felt a shift of like, Oh, dude! Like, if you are, don't have your shit together, like nobody cares or feels bad for you. Who? What? Was there a moment or <laughs> no, moments that? Not, not in particular, but like, just feeling like, oh, like, and uh, well, maybe it's even just like getting kicked off your parents' insurance, oh. like stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Like now you're like a fucking grown ass man. Like, go be a grown ass man, and like not being ready for that. That is what I felt like. I'm also curious. I wanted to pick your brain. So you said. Your girlfriend, you is the first person like you moved in. I've with. ever lived with, yeah. Well, I lived with one girlfriend for like two months over the summer, but she was going back to college. Okay, so it like doesn't really count. What? So what has that been like? Because I, I think that always made me curious because I've never like lived with a girlfriend. I mean, dude, it's great. You know, uh, it's one of those things that I was trying to like push off. I had like a pretty chill living situation before this. I actually lived with people who I used to give tennis lessons to. Really? Yeah, uptown in their house. 
which was sick. Wait, wait, so for like years. So this was like a an older couple. No, so okay, like my arguably my best friend uh, is this guy who I used to give tennis lessons to, and he's like a little younger than me, but now he's like in his twenties. Um, so he, his brother and sister, who are also all in their twenties, lived there okay. for the most part since like now the sister lives in London, whatever. But so everybody was living there and the parents. So I met them from teaching them uh, back in 2006, 2007. You know what I mean? Um, and then we kind of just stayed friends. And even when I was kind of done teaching tennis and stuff, I stayed tight with them, whatever. And I was moving from Brooklyn from the house that I actually lived in when I was a baby. Uh, they were selling it. So I was looking for a place to live. And they're like, you can come live with us if you want. And I did for like a while, for like four or five wow. years. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So that was nice. So and what was like, the deal? You had to, did you have to? There was no exchange. <laughs> No, seriously, there, I didn't have to do anything. I wasn't teaching tennis to anybody. Okay. Um, I was just living there. It was just, okay. Um, that was very nice of them. But, you know, we were really close, and it wasn't, like, weird to be there. You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, there was part of me that was like, okay, I'm, like, ready to be a little bit more independent. Um, and my girlfriend and I had kind of been talking about it, and then we kind of accepted the reality that we might be able to get, like, a better deal in an apartment than we might be able to in the future with covid pricing and stuff uh, so we kind of took the leap and we've now been there for over a year and it's been it's been really nice what are some of the you know adjustments relationship wise that you've either had to make or, or not at all dude honestly like there there's the adjustments are all positive things like feeling like i never want to be as much of a slob as i might be able to be if she wasn't yeah, there yeah. like i don't want to like litter the space with all my shit so like i'm a little bit neater than i might otherwise be um we are considerate we're pretty considerate of each other i think she works from home a lot of the time which can be a little bit of a uh not annoying i love having her there like when she's not Mm -hmm. working from home i actually am bummed out um i like her being there but sometimes it's hard because if she's out in the main area she's on the phone constantly and like she's sensitive to that she's like i don't want to just like be up all up in your shit all day on the phone so she'll go in our bedroom but then if i need to get stuff i i have to get everything i need earlier in the day and then i'll inevitably forget something because you know so that's maybe the only hurdle and it's not even a big deal damn so it's great dude and also it's just nice to have like another pair of hands who excels in ways that you don't she designed the whole apartment it's beautiful like She's she is just thinking about things that we need that I'm not always thinking about, and it's great. What are your? Because I'm curious, like, because I've never, I honestly I didn't even have roommates in in college. I was always like going oh, with, solo dolo, solo dolo. That's sick. She, um, like yeah. I think I'm gonna. Ha- it's gonna be like a legitimate adjustment one day when when I move in with um, somebody. You know, hopefully, uh, yeah. Like I don't know. Like I'm I'm trying to prepare myself because it's a different it's a different ball game. Yeah, it's it's a perfectly fine ball game, in my opinion. Uh, it's been really nice, and if it's somebody who you vibe with and who you're serious with, it shouldn't be a big deal. What's she? What's she do? She works in tech. She works for this like ad tech startup, um, and yeah, she does a good job. How'd you How'd you guys meet? Through a friend, mutual friend, sort of. She didn't see you do a set and fall in love. No, no. Um, I have come? met I have met girls like that though in the past, but this was a friend of mine friend you know what i mean yeah. dated her best friend growing up they met a call in college like gotcha. one of those kind of things did she come to, to any of your sets ever yeah 
Yeah. What does she think about your comedy? I think she likes it. Does she think you're funnier at home or on, on stage? I think she would say both in different ways. Um, we have our little jokes, you know what I mean, that like no one else would get. And then those are different than the things that I talk about on stage. She has a pretty good perspective at this point about what's funny and what's not. Um, and she's definitely a person that I look to as a resource for feedback. Um, and just to hear what she has to say, it can help me decide what direction I want to take things in a lot of the time. Um, she has really, uh, she's really like, she's really like, uh, versatile with her skills. Like she, she, you can just kind of like throw her into something and she'll become very, very good at it very quickly. And that might be like style. Like she styled me for the special. Oh really? For example. Yeah. And what, what you, I'm trying to picture what you, what were you wearing? I was just wearing like a kind of monochromatic tucked in, like something that I would not have come up with on my own. Um, and what we would kind you have of, worn on your own? Who the fuck knows? But like we tapped into the idea that like when you do a special, you should look, you don't necessarily have to wear shit you'd always wear. Uh. You know what I mean? You can kind of like capture yourself and wear some shit that kind of like makes you stand out, shows that it's an occasion uh, and is not something you'd wear every day. And I kind of like that sank in for me when I went to see Schultz's Radio City show. Oh, you went, okay. I went to see that and I kind of saw the way that he- How was that? Amazing, dude. He's, 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 I love him. He's the guru, bro. Yeah. That guy's the man. Um, So that was cool. And then I was like, oh, okay. And then she had already understood that, but then we kind of re-approached what I was going to wear. Um, But yeah, she's like good at everything, dude. She's really like smart and good at shit. And so what's like, what are your, what's your day-to-day look like? Like, do you spend the- days writing and then testing it out at at night no so it's a it's a variety of things so i kind of have my like to-do list of things that a lot of the time it's like stuff that i could easily not be doing but like that i should be doing so there's a lot of that it would be very easy for me to actually spend a lot more of my free time during the day or my time during the day not doing a lot of the stuff that i do um that might be oh like listen to this set from this particular night or plan this or reach out to this person or it's kind of like running a business in that way. It's like, you're the only person who pushes the needle forward. So like you have to, you should be doing stuff. So I'll, I'll kind of make that like for now, currently my day to day looks like this. We are doing a lot of, uh, we're doing a lot of podcast stuff because we're bouncing around a lot this summer. Okay. So during the days I might be doing a pod and then at night doing a comedy or doing some kind of social comedy related thing. I'm planning some of my videos that I've been making. Okay. Um, I'm going, I'm leaving next week to go for four or five nights to shoot stuff in Central America. Right. Um, I have, I'm planning to do another one of those at the end of the summer. I have to start planning that. And then I'm on the road a bunch. So it's like a variety of things and, it's the right now is the kind of busy that I like because I'm busy actually doing tangible things as opposed to the kind of like building process where you'll put in a lot of work and you don't see the results right away. Right. Of course, they accumulate over time. So that was the other thing I want to talk to you is you are an avid traveler. Yeah. Um, Very. Which I think is and you and so you'll do you'll do sets and different like. It, will you explain to people exactly yeah, how that? Yeah. So, w- what you mean by that? I kind of, Hillary always says, "This my girlfriend's name." That I like to take my interests and make them oppressive, okay. which is kind of funny. <laughs> She's like oppressive interests, um, you know, which which can be true. But I sort of have this pipe dream that I'd love to kind of like see the world, and an easy kind of way to do that. And I, I think it's a flawed method, but it it's better maybe than other more comprehensive methods. It's just like I'd love to see, go to every country. You know what I mean? That would be sick. Yeah. So I'm obsessed with that, and I'm also obsessed with net the national park system. <laughs> <laughs> and so we explain to people why are you why are you 
you know, obsessed with the national park system? Yeah. So the national park system goes beyond what the national parks are. So there's like 60 something national parks and that, you know, there'll be a lot of the stuff that you've heard of. You have Yosemite, the Grand Canyon, fucking, uh, Yellowstone, you know what I mean? Um, so there's all those and then some more obscure ones as well. But then the national park system has 423 registered units. <laughs> you've, done, you've done your research and they vary in and from what they are so i've been to like a hundred something of them and i'd like to go to all of them Shit. so for example um the statue of liberty is one i think we considered a national monument but so like all these things fall under the umbrella of the national park system national historic sites national battlefields not whatever what Mo- monuments blah 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 can i interrupt you real quick where yeah. this fascination come from it's funny you ask. There is a moment that I can actually pinpoint to it for, for once. You've been asking yeah. me for these and I've been <laughs> dropping the ball hard. So I'm glad to have an answer. Um, we were we went to Sugarfish, uh, Hillary and I, in okay. Flatiron, which is where the bro's sushi joke comes from in okay. my special. Yep. Um, but there was a wait. And across the street is the home that Teddy Roosevelt was born in. Oh. So we're like, oh, that's cool. That's Let's cool. go in there. So we go in and we're popping around, whatever, looking. And there was a park ranger in there. And I was like, oh, that's weird. There's just a fucking yeah. park ranger in here. Uh, I start talking to him and he's the one who starts telling me about, oh, there's actually 400 uh, and Hil- I see Hillary be like, oh, great. Like, uh, here we go. This <laughs> is about to become a thing. So yeah, there's like a, uh, and, and so they vary. And whenever I'm in a place that might have one nearby, I try to prioritize going. Like when I'm on the road, if I'm within hours of one, I'll try to go. Oh wow. Uh, and I'd like to go to all of them. And I've tried, so I've taken these kind of two things and attempted to do things that would ho- I would maybe be able to make money doing someday. So when it comes to traveling internationally, I would like to do shows maybe if it's possible, but I don't stick to any specific format. So like if there's a comedy scene that's cool and the guys seem cool, like I'll go do that angle, but I don't need that angle. Mm. But meeting people is definitely a strong part of what makes it work, I think. So the videos where we've met people and we're making friendships and spending time with different people who are so similar, blah, blah, blah. That whole thing is a nice theme. So I try to capture that. And it also allows me to go to places that nobody in my life would allow me to go to if I wasn't like, oh, it's for work. Yeah. And then they can't say shit, you know? Uh, So, yeah. Interesting. So so you've only hit, so you've hit like a, what, a quarter of the, you've hit a hundred... No, for the national parks, like 120 or something. And there are how many? 423. Okay. And then as far as like countries in the world, I haven't been to a ton actually, but I've been to like 30, 37, 38, and there's a, I think 197. And you've done, and you've, have you done comedy in how many of those? Uh, not many. I mean, I've done comedy in Rwanda. Right. That's the, the one that I, I saw. I yeah. Think. The UK, Norway, Sweden, uh, Spain, but not like you know. I, I'm not like I don't need to do comedy in every place. Do you find that the they and understand? This is all it? new too, by the way. This is like a new undertaking for me. In the past few years, it's become I've become obsessed with it, and they typically do understand. Is it? But is it the same? Like, do you use the same kind of jokes that you would at the stand? Yes, and this is the thing. So it it depends. Sometimes it just they like it doesn't land. Yeah, I would say in Africa, I struggled a little bit. Like it was a really big show that i did too it was like at the time maybe the biggest show i had done like venue wise i don't know if the the actual amount of people was but it was like a huge it was like a fucking like the equivalent of doing the garden but in rwanda yeah but like not not as big of a capacity it's probably like six or seven hundred people there okay at the time that was probably the biggest that's like the biggest okay gotcha um and i felt like maybe comedy's pretty new there and it felt as if like the nuances of what i was talking about plus my accent right 
which might have been a little difficult for them to understand. Um, and maybe just like not doing it. I just didn't feel like I had that good of a set. But like in Scandinavia, everybody understands English super well. They get comedy. They've had comedy for a long time. And they actually potentially listen better than any audience that exists. Like really? And then they want to talk about it. What? So you get off stage, they'll be like, they'll be talk, they'll be asking you about like setups for your jokes, and like, it's really great. Why do you think? Why? Why do you think that is? Um, I don't know, I don't know, but in like Spain, for example, you'll get like an ex a combo of like an ex patty crowd, and then I had some like pod listeners come and stuff, and like that's sick. But like in those kind of countries, I, I I'm not totally sure if like the local audience is that big yet. I I don't really know. I certainly know, uh, you know, in like South America and stuff, like, I don't think that there's a big like English comedy scene for non-English speaker or for like non-first English speakers. I don't know that for sure. Um, but yeah, man, it's certainly interesting to see what people's different international comedy scenes are like. And I try to use any angle that I can to like plan a cool and memorable trip that I can film or not film, but just to kind of continue this is, little. Is there one dream, dream place to go to? No, just because I think I'm going to go to them all. So I don't really think like, oh man, if I could go there, because I'm going to go there type of thing. So what's your, what's the next plan? That you, oh, where's the next place you're going? I'm going to Nicaragua and El okay. Salvador next week. And then in September, early September, I'm trying to plan something a little farther away. And that's a little bit more difficult to execute probably. So I'm, I'm figuring out maybe like Mongolia oh, is clo- is up the top of my, close to the top of my list. I also like the idea of maybe uh, Armenia, Somalia. Um, so and I don't have a ton of time. So if there's a place with like an involved visa process, I might not be able to do that. And you bring, so when you go, is it just, is it you or you bring Hillary or? I just bring uh, my friend Zach who like films. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just a little bro time. A little bro time. And then we kind of like, it's nice when the guides can like double as like the people we chill with. Right. It's like two birds with one stone kind of thing. Um, but I would say best case scenario is like having a willing local guide who isn't a career guide right? and like crashing with them. And like that, that's, it's tough to pull off sometimes, but that really makes for rich content. I think must, it must be cool too. Like when you're, when you're talking about in Scandinavia, like to have pod listeners, you know, that's great. It must be like all over the world. Like, what do they say? It's you awesome. Know, they just, they just listen. They, they're like, active listeners all the time in different countries yeah it's pretty cool it's sick yeah um you know obviously america heavy but certainly have an international audience too yeah isn't always weird like i don't know i always i'm always grateful when i to think that people listen it's like it's like a weird concept and i think for you guys you guys have probably felt that more firsthand when you have like these live shows where you get to actually like shake the hands of people that yeah it's great it's great. Yeah, it, the live shows are a fun thing. Um, yeah, it's really nice to to kind of to kind of see it in real life. You know, how is it? So, how are the live shows different for you? I guess in your preparation or just like the feel. I'm kind of curious as opposed to just recording with. Obviously, it's different, but I, like in what ways? Yeah. So we don't really do it like a live recording. We kind of just do what we would do maybe if we were doing a live recording, but have it just be a live show. Okay. That makes sense. The preparation process, I mean, it's it's honestly it's it's more difficult than doing stand up in my opinion because stand up you've prepared jokes, you've worked on them. For this you kind of, we've sort of like winged it. Mm-hmm. We'll kind of try to make some sort of structure, but like anytime we kind of flirt with the idea of doing multimedia stuff, we end up kind of being like, "Eh." 
Um, and it lends itself nicely in a Boston situation, for example, when we hang out in Boston the day before mm. and then just talk about the last 24 hours if it's been uh. something interesting. Um, so it's not a perfect format. Having like guests is great. People that we've talked about on the pod, whether it be family members or right. friends or surprises, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's certainly not something that we've like figured out, but uh, I, I hope we end up doing more. It's fun. When you, to wrap things up, when you think about the next kind of like five, ten years, does that, do you, are you like a goal kind of person or are you just? Not really a goal person. Um, what do you envision or hope that you can can do in the next five, ten years for, that would make you, I guess professionally or personally, mm -hmm. um, you know, satisfied? Yeah, it's hard to, for me, I feel like it's hard to like be in touch with myself in five years. I don't really know what I'm going to be like. Or what I'm gonna, much different? I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to like. Super different five years ago. No, but like what I, the things I care about and what I've learned, it has definitely shaped my approach to life. So I don't know what the next five years will hold in terms of what that kind of stuff looks like. I'd love to be able to have a healthy relationship with kind of having a family and being able to still pursue the things I like doing, um, and hope that I don't have to like derail my life when I, if I want to like have kids. How many um, young Julias do you want to have? A couple would be nice. Two, three. And I'd love to do it in stride, not have to like worry about money or like take a huge lifestyle haircut. Um, you know, all things that are maybe wishful thinking, but, um, you know, everybody, plenty of lesser people have done it successfully. <laughs> if we're going to talk about people being better or worse for yeah. whatever reason, yeah. uh, I'm sure that I can hopefully handle it. Uh, so I'd like to just be able to piece together what that looks like for me. Um, that's probably my biggest, what I see as being the biggest challenge, figuring all that out. Um, because I don't like any scenario that I don't have kids in. It's just, the juice just doesn't, it, the juice isn't worth the squeeze of never having kids. Uh, I don't want to be all fucking did, old and did, lonely and did shit. You, <laughs> did you have siblings growing up? I had one brother, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you, so kids are number one priority. You mm -hmm. feel, you feel like you're ready now? You think you're ready for change, to change diapers now? No. I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to be ready and I'm going to do that. I'm not going to enjoy that part of it. Like not being able to sleep the shit. And like people aren't helping. Like everybody I know who have young kids are like telling me how terrible it is. So I'm like, dude, but, but, um, it's a priority to, to have a family eventually. So figuring out how that's going to work and not stop me from traveling and not, and, and how do I be present and like, you know, because if you think about it, like at the current time, these like trips I'm taking or whatever, I'm only doing them a couple times a year. Yeah. So, you know, why not? Why can't that work a couple weeks a year? And then when the kid gets old enough, I'll fucking bring him with me, dude. Yeah. You know, that's fun. I think it's like the first like five, six years that are They're tricky. challenging, yeah. So, you know, we'll see. I know that my girlfriend wants to have kids. Um, figuring out how to get to that next step. But I know that it will make sense when it happens. It's, like, it's hard to kind of perceive the process to get somewhere. You're like, how on earth am I going to, but a ton of time goes through, goes, goes by from when you have that thought to when it actually happens and right. a lot happens. So it makes sense when you get, every time I've gotten to a benchmark in life, I'm like, oh, like, why was I worried about getting here? It made sense. The trajectory made sense. What do you think you'll be like as a dad? What kind of dad will you be? Hopefully a hands-on one who has tolerance and patience and doesn't try too hard to 
skull fuck his kid into being exactly like him you know what i mean like <laughs> acting like i know everything kind of give a give the kid freedom to learn about themselves and what they like and be supportive of that and hopefully instill positive foundation and values for them to be able to make their own decisions critically and and be a good person you know hmm. i think it's a pretty good way to end it like yeah dad dad julio daddy coming. julio <laughs> fucking bringing the heat dude. well no i uh dude i appreciate you coming on and, and Thanks, taking dude. the time Thanks. and uh it was a pleasure having you on Thanks, and man. we'll uh i guess we'll look back on this in a few years when uh, we got yeah. your little critters running around, yeah, dude. And you change, actually, I have no time because you'll be sleep deprived and yeah, sad, grumpy and, and fucking fat, <laughs> and just be like a loser, dude. <laughs> um, but where can where can people find all of all of your all stuff? My, stuff? Uh, my Instagram's not Julio, um, you know, spelled how you would think it's spelled. Um, you can go to notjulio.com for all my tour dates, uh, some of my videos and stuff. Check out my video I made in Iraq; it's pretty cool. Um, that's on my website on YouTube and shit. Uh, that's pretty much it. And the special. Oh yeah, and the special. special Pete Davidson, best friends on Netflix. Check it and out. I think you're one of the first couple comedians comics up. Yeah. Um, I got a lucky lineup placement. And then people, and you're usually at all the the clubs in the city. Yep, bounce around the different clubs of the city. Uh, I'll post about good shows, uh, and then on the road a bunch too. So if you're out and about, you'll maybe get to see me, dude. Boom. All right, appreciate you, dude. <laughs>